0: In an era of online retail, where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a 7-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana.
1: I would always be like, Eliza! around her. I think it was so annoying. But, um.
2: <laughs> Look who I have with me today. It's Geraldine Biswanathan. How are Hi. You What's up? Not much.
1: Good to see you.
2: I am happy to see you again because even though I had a lovely time talking to you and Dacre for Broken Hearts Gallery. Mm-hmm. Eight minutes is not enough for, for one movie, let alone everything else that you're in that I love, that I wanted to ask you about. So I'm glad to have you here.
1: Let's do it. Me too.
2: So Ladies' Night starts back at the very, very beginning. So I am curious, when you wanted to get into entertainment, did you know you wanted to be an actor or was the beginning for you wanting to be a comedian?
1: I do think that I always wanted to ultimately be an actor. And, and I think at some point I felt like comedy, like doing stand up, and, um, and that comedy might be a nice, like it, it might be complementary to that, that it would be good practice and um, that it would kind of be a good exercise and, and potentially a sort of gateway into um, acting in, in film and, and TV which ended up being kind of what happened. So that's, that's cool. You nailed it.
2: In that case, backtracking a little, was there any particular movie show performance, you name it, that made it click for you when you saw that and you said like,
1: it's an act, it's being an actor or nothing else? I was like very afraid of movies as a child (laughs) until I was like, Truly every movie, my dad told me that the first movie I saw we had to leave because one of the Muppets lost their blanket and I started crying so much and I, I just had to leave the theatre. Um, and that's happened a few times. It happened in Harry Potter, that happened in Dinosaurs, I got scared of the dinosaurs. So um, I feel like it took me a while. The first thing I got really into was Friends because that was such a like comforting and I really liked the community and I think I was a lonely kid so I was like wow friends in New York just living together what, that's the dream um so I think that was kind of my biggest influence early on because um it was also kind of my introduction to comedy really I thought it was so funny, and I think I've watched it so many times that sometimes I feel like I'm kind of doing the, the Friends <laughs> rhythm. <laughs> I feel like um, if
2: they ever do a reboot of Friends, which seems very likely to me, you got to get in on that. <laughs>
1: wow, that's crazy to think about. I mean, I yeah. have mixed feelings on that, but that's I pretty un- cool.
2: I can understand why. Everyone, everyone's <laughs> precious about their favorite things. People right. Have an opportunity like <laughs> that. So, wait, afraid of movies when you were super, super young? Now, yeah. do, has any of that kind of lingered at all? Do you like horror movies?
1: I I, I don't. I'm still a little baby. Um, and <laughs> I'm such a wimp. But it's weird because, like, a lot of my favorite films are horror films. I, I feel like, I mean, horror. But, like, the genre now is so interesting. I mean, I'm obsessed with Get Out. I've watched that so many times. Um so, I, it's, it's strange, but I don't, I, I yeah, I, I don't like scary stuff, so.
2: <laughs> I'm just curious now, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen?
1: Oh my god. Um, Hereditary was pretty scary.
2: Oh no, that's a, that's a fair one to pick. Okay. Going back to your comedy, because, like, I'm not a funny person at all, so I can't wrap my brain around this whatsoever. How do you know that, like, you're not just funny, but, like, you're so funny that you actually could make it a career? Is there a a point where it just kind of, like, clicks for you and you could really feel it working on that level?
1: Oh, my God. That's very nice. Um, Um, do you mean, like, on set or, like, before, like, when I was getting into it?
2: On set, with friends, on stage, anywhere?
1: Um, I... I think like deep down, I think I'm a very serious person. (laughs) I think I'm pretty sincere, but like, like when I was a kid, I hated when people laughed at me. Um, I would like get upset because I was like, I was so sincere. But um, I think it got to a point where I was like, you actually have to have a sense of humor to survive. (laughs) Um, And then I kind of, I think I just went like deep into that. and, uh, And then it became sort of my life. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would describe myself as like a very funny person, (laughs) but I love comedy and watching comedy and and performing comedy. I don't know if something like kicks in when I know that I'm, I'm performing. I don't know. know.
2: Well, I will say with everything that I've seen you in, like your intonation and your timing, it always just wows me. I just, I really, I can't process how that works so jumping onto your very very first film set what would you say is the thing that made you go like whoa i can't believe that's the way this stuff works on a film set
1: Mm -hmm. i i feel like my first big thing was my first like proper movie was uh blockers and i feel like most of the times it's like the kids and the parents were separate, but there was one day where we were um, shooting together. And I think watching Ike, Barron and Leslie Mann and John Cena improvising together so much and um, how effective that was and, and how, and how funny it was and how it gave Kay and the editor so much, so many options. I feel like that's something that clicked for me where I was like, Oh yeah, you should be, um, playing as much as you possibly can, because I was so like, I got to set and I was like, no more lines. I like was just, I was almost like a student about it. Um, cause I guess coming from like, this is the high school and university or something, but, um, yeah, it was really kind of inspiring to see them, to see, to see how, uh, effective it is to improvise and play as in comedies.
2: I'm I'm curious just to go back a little, what was the, what was the move like going from uh, the Australian entertainment industry to Hollywood? I just remember I was recently talking to Yvonne Strahovský about that and you know, it, it does it for her, at least it did feel like a bit of a leap.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I always, I mean, I, it was always clear to me that if I wanted to to make this my career that I would have to come to the states. I think that there are just more opportunities, especially for non white people and um I, that's true <laughs> ended up being true um so I think it was always just um kind of my my goal and and my dream so I think. I, I, I do feel like I've had more experience in, in the States than in, in Australia. So it's, I feel like if I had come off, like, doing a, a lot of work in Australia, maybe it would have been like, oh, wow, this is such a different thing. But I kind of always was aiming towards this. So it felt, it felt right.
2: What did your family say when you decided you wanted to move to the U.S.? Were they, they fully supportive of everything?
1: They were, I'm really fortunate because my parents are very supportive and, um, also very like excited by this career and by this kind of world and industry. They really love film and, and, um, and writing and acting like they're just, they, they get a kick out of it. So, um, so they were, they were always supportive. I love hearing
2: that. I, I also yeah. love hearing when like you have a craft that you're passionate about and you get to share it with your loved ones. I feel like that's am I'm super Absolutely.
1: important. It's big. Yeah.
2: So what was the, the time gap between moving to Hollywood and kind of having those aspirations and actually booking blockers? Was there any kind of period of like auditioning and not booking things or did it kind of happen pretty quickly?
1: Oh, that was definitely that period. I, um... I when I was 18 and I finished high school, I came to LA for six months and did and did acting classes and did like actors access auditions and was just like self submitting and it's kind of crazy to think that I I did that I did some really <laughs> silly things, um, but um, yeah I feel like that was kind of my I was just testing it out to see if that's what I wanted to do and. Um, the visa was a big thing. I couldn't really work. So I was only able to do like unpaid things. Um, uh, yeah. (laughs) I'm just thinking about this like unpaid movie that I did, but, um, I hope that's not what I I, but, um, yeah, that was sort of I I was and then I went back to Sydney because I didn't have the visa and was auditioning there. And yeah, was just auditioning a lot and not really getting anywhere. So that's kind of when I I started doing stand up and um and I had a sketch group with some friends. Um and honestly as soon as I started doing that and like independent theater and and just things that were fulfilling me and made me feel good and and made me feel like i was practicing and like working on what i want to do and my voice and it was just like self-taping from from sydney and so it was just kind of random that that blockers stuck huh so
2: so you submitted a self-tape for what for blockers Mm-hmm. oh wow and what was it like when you heard back I don't know whether it was you heard back because you landed the role or you made it to the next step
1: of the process it was oh my god it was it was so crazy because also I mean <laughs> I was like Seth Rogen I was losing my mind N.K. Cannon um but I remember I was at the Melbourne Comedy Festival I had just landed and I had landed with my sketch group, Freudian Nip, and um, we, yeah, and as soon, actually right before I got on the plane, I got a call from my agent being like, they want you to go to LA and meet Kate Cannon. I was like, and I had left my passport in Sydney, so I had to like, get on the fl- get on the plane to Melbourne, fly straight back to Sydney, and then go to LA, so it was just such a, a whirlwind, and I got cast, like, a week before we started shooting it was Wait, really you
2: left your passport yeah because you forgot it
1: I because I was like traveling within Australia and I guess I was feeling like excited because it was domestic so I was like I only need my driver's license so I left it like a full okay and I'm never doing that again <laughs> I bring my passport everywhere I go now
2: probably uh probably a smart move there yeah so- you book blockers, and you, you already mentioned uh, being on set with uh, John, Leslie, and Ike, but I am curious what it was like stepping on set for the first time, or even just jumping into like pre-production prep with um, Catherine and Gideon, because- Like, Catherine had already had, like, a whole bunch of, like, serious credits to her name, and of course, Gideon is Pamela Adlin's daughter, so when you jump onto set with them, are there any kind of, like, nerves as far as building your own voice and career alongside them?
1: I think we were super lucky because we met and just sort of instantly got along. Um, We, which, yeah, we didn't have a chemistry read or anything, so that, we really just lucked out on that, Um, but... I guess, I guess, yeah, I did feel like a little bit of the, uh, the wild card. I was like, I'm flying in from Australia, just like, <laughs> um, here I am. But um, I think very quickly that kind of, those, those sort of nerves went away. Um, yeah, because they were just so warm and lovely.
2: Based on what I see on screen, I imagine that would happen. And it it does seem like you have a knack for building that kind of chemistry with, with your co-cast, because you also see a very similar friendship, or not similar, but at least just like that electric vibe of it is similar in Broken Hearts Gallery, where, like, again, you have another trio and their energy just kind of like radiates off screen.
1: Yeah, that's true. I guess, yeah, I guess we've been super lucky with that. I'm yet to have, <laughs> you know, the opposite of that. Um, yeah, I feel like all the all the things I've I've worked on, I've ended up becoming close friends with with my co stars, which is just the, the best outcome. <laughs> Make friends.
2: I do love hearing that, but I do wonder, like, do you have any kind of like tools in your toolkit with You know, if you're ever in a position where, like, the vibe on set just doesn't feel right, just to make sure you can deliver your best possible work, what do you, what do you do? What do you turn to? Hmm.
1: Um, I think, I don't know. I think, like, in terms of, I think you have to kind of just be thinking about the project as, as a whole. I think everything I've done, I've just tried, I've just wanted it. I've just loved it so much that I've wanted it to be the best that it possibly can be. So I think even if there is anything that's like could get in the way of that, I think it's, it's easy to just be like, I'm going to make this work. So, and not that this is like ever badly happened, but, um, yeah, I think it's just determination to make the thing good. Um, yeah.
2: The attitude is paying off big time. So <laughs> you, get, you get blockers. And from my limited perspective as an outsider, I'm like, oh, like that was the game changer. That did it. For you, though, was it the game changer? And did you find, you know, offers and opportunities coming your way after that?
1: To me, it, it did feel like the game changer. I think in every aspect, in my professional life, and my personal life, it was a big, it was a big deal um it was the thing that brought me to the states and got me my visa and it was really warmly received and i um i have that movie will just always have the most special place in my heart um yeah so i do feel like i agree with that assessment. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so you hit it big with a comedy and after that you do incorporate some drama in your filmography were you ever in a position where after the success of Blockers, everything you're, that you were getting was kind of like the same type of thing? Did you have to fi- to kind of like fight to find those other projects to add into the mix?
1: Um, I, do, I do think there was a, an awareness of um, the kind of ensemble, teen, high school comedy um, that I wanted to sort of steer away from eventually i mean right after blockers i did the package on netflix and which is also an ensemble comedy but then i went straight on to halla and um i do think that that was i mean it, it was because i i loved the script but i think also because yeah i wanted to try something different and um kind of stretch myself in a in a new way yeah
2: the when we talked the other week, I was kicking myself because I had asked you if you had done heavy drama like the moment at the end of Broken Hearts Gallery, and I had completely forgotten in the moment about because I missed it at Sundance that year. So, mm-hmm. last night I watched it here, and I'm in lockdown with my entire family, and we we watched the, the whole thing all together, and it was it was very nice. <laughs>
1: Wow. Oh my God. You got a
2: lot of fans in the Nemerov household right now. Oh,
1: that's so sweet.
2: So was there any key advice you got for, I I guess just jumping into a different genre and kind of dealing with different material in Hollow, whether it was from Minhal or just anybody you had worked with before?
1: I kind of went into that being like, okay, how present and truthful can I be? (laughs) I was kind of just like, it was such a gear switch from, like, the, the comedy energy and, and pacing. Um, and I was really excited to do something that was sort of more subdued and quiet and um, observant. I was really excited to just, like, be an observer. I would watch interviews with actors and feel like always the takeaway was just be present and listen and trust that it's coming across. So I feel like I just tried my best to do that.
2: It obviously makes me happy that you watch interviews with actors. Is there anyone that kind of stands out to you that kind of, I don't know, maybe made that kind of form of talking about acting click, and you kind of just kept watching them?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I I can't think of one specifically. But I love, like, Off Camera with Sam Jones and um, the Hollywood What are round tables? And um, I also, in Sydney, I had this, there's this place called the Actors Station, and they have an Instagram and they post um, little snippets of actors and interviews with with some advice. And every time, sometimes I'll just come across that and be like, oh, that was useful, that was nice to be reminded. I feel like it's all stuff that we know instinctually, but you just sometimes need to be reminded and just hear it
2: is there anything in those interviews that you wish was asked more often about other actors and their process that I don't know it would be interesting or helpful to you
1: um I mean I'm always very relieved when people are asked what their process is and they're like I don't know when it's like <laughs> you know Meryl Streep being like it's different every time I'm like thank god because that's how I feel I'm like what um But I guess, yeah, maybe just like, what's the first thing that they they do when they get a script? Yeah, I feel like where to start, that's always kind of the hardest part.
2: So it's different for you on every single film, but do you have any constants where it's just like, I don't know, marking up your, your script or I don't know, even just having like a specific drink on hand or any kind of routine element?
1: I mean, I'll read it over and over again and sometimes I'll record it and listen to it and go for a walk. I find that like moving and changing scenery helps. Um, I was doing that a lot with miracle workers. Um, Just recording the scenes and then, and then listening to them. And then, you know, a cup of tea or something or a seltzer.
2: Okay. So that's a, that's like a healthy balance there. I feel like I would just be uh, chugging, Coffee and Diet Coke on set all day. <laughs> that is definitely my vice. So, <laughs> after doing Hala, like I know it's a completely different uh, type of film, different type of material there. But did you find that experience helping you with your more uh, comedic shows and films at all?
1: Um, I think it was kind of um a good exercise in in like. Trust. I think trusting that you, when you feel it, that it comes across. I do think that maybe it's, mm. (laughs) I think especially in drama made me feel like you can be subtle and the camera will pick it up. Not that I'm subtle in Broken Gallery at all. I was just thinking, I was like, <laughs> I'm not subtle. But like, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think for drama, it was just nice to be like, you can do very little and, mm-hmm. and the camera sees it.
2: Well, the subtlety is there in Bad Education also. You definitely see it there. Yeah. I have to ask about working with Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney in that movie, especially because I feel like most of your scenes with them are almost like, like, verbal slash reactions, shot sparring in a way so you know is there anything that I don't know maybe they did for you as a scene partner working on that movie that really helped you and your craft
1: both of them just was so like loose and fun that's always what I pick up on clearly because I had the same impression on on blockers but Hugh just like he makes it seem so easy and fun and he can just go, he's not someone who's like before the take, like in his head, like he'll just be chatting and then straight away go into the scene. And it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. And Alison too, I think she was so present and powerful, just had fun with it. Like in that scene where she's, um, (laughs) when I'm talking about the pizza oven And at the end, she's like, go get yourself a slice. Like, she just said that. She just improvised that. And I thought, and it was just so her character. And it was just, um, yeah, it was was just cool to see how much fun they were having.
2: So it seems like their process probably aligned with how you like to work over the course of your career. Who would you say... I guess challenged you the most with having like a completely different prep process that you had to adjust to.
1: I feel like Deka Montgomery had quite a different process to me. I think he is very studious and, um, before we started, he had like made all, like he would made tabs in his, it was in his, uh, script and it was just very clear. And he said, he was like, I, I've studied this like a play. Um, which was just so it yeah it was just a completely different approach to me um and i think you know i think maybe like maybe that was also coming from drama world into to comedy world like um but um yeah, I would say he probably had the, the most varying approach in the people that I've worked with.
2: I also have one more bad education question for you because I'm a Long Islander, and now I have to ask, did you spend much time in Roslyn?
1: I did. I, I don't we, <laughs> Where did you go? Mike Mikowski, who um, wrote the script and is from Roslyn and went to that school, um, he, we took a little road trip there together, And we went to this like little deli and got some lunch. I can't remember what it's called, but. Is it featured in the movie?
2: It's not. (laughs) Kitchen kitchen Cabaret is, uh, it's a pretty big deal around here. Oh my gosh, it might've been that. (laughs) It could could have been. Are you there now? Quite possibly. (laughs) (laughs) I, I might have been in that uh, that school district bubble that they were always talking about with the the warring districts. So I, yeah. my high school might have been included in that.
1: Jericho, Syosset. Yeah. maybe one of those.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's an interesting place to be.
1: It is. I loved it.
2: I am so excited to ask you about Miracle Workers because I finally binged the show, and it's so freaking good. Yeah, that show yeah. is really. I I just. It exceeded all of my expectations, and I couldn't believe the switch from season one to season two and how well that plays.
1: When I got to Miracle Workers, I was so intimidated. It was such a beast as well. I mean, the, the sets that we had, it just felt like a huge production. And I think Dan and Steve and Simon and all of these people that I really admired, I definitely was like, oh! <laughs> really, really nervous.
2: Did it even feel like a big production in season one? Because like, I saw some behind the scenes clips from Dark Ages and I could see the big builds that happened there. But I was wondering if season one was, you know, like more contained to sound stages.
1: It We shot season one all in this, uh, like, fire optics warehouse. Um, this huge warehouse. But we had built this massive, I mean, God's office was huge and it was it it, that the sets that they built really felt so epic um and same with the the prayers office Uh, the just the detail and the scope like the the walls of prayers that goes all the way up like it was just I mean and and Daniel even said he was like I haven't seen sets like this since Harry Potter like this is kind of next level
2: you guys are all so good in it together keeping the ensemble together, moving from season one to something so different with Dark Ages, like, did the ensemble sticking together make it feel like the same show to you? Or did it kind of feel like, I don't know, starting from the beginning, in a sense?
1: We became so close. It does really feel like a company of actors and pals who just kind of have their kind of strengths and energies written to. And, um... So for season two, we were all just so excited to get back together and to work with each other because we all genuinely love working together and and hanging out. So um, I think there was more of a kind of like comfortability and and camaraderie. And then, yeah, and we all like read the new scripts at the same time and it was just very, a little fan.
2: Do you know if there was any thought put into who you guys played in season one and then who you were cast as in season two? Was there any, like, specific choice to really shake things up for any one person?
1: Yeah, I think, I think Simon really wanted to flip the kind of, um, status of Dan and Steve, especially. I think, like, the highest possible status of God to the lowest possible status of Shit shoveler. I think that really kind of like flipped it. I think for my character, it did feel like there was a sort of common thread. I felt like in both seasons, I was kind of the audience's way in, sort of um, a little bit ahead of her time and um, sort of reacting to the broken world around her.
2: That's a, that's a very accurate description there. So given that you guys were picked up for season three, yay, I'm very excited. Do you want to continue that thread in season three or are you hoping that you get the opportunity to do something like completely different?
1: I am I am hoping to do something a little different this season and, and I think from what I've heard it will be a little like I think, um, yeah, we're sort of mixing it up on, on many levels for this Season, so um, I'm really excited to see what what they come up with.
2: I am so incredibly pumped. You guys got me hooked, and then then you hit that last episode, and then you get that like pang of pain, like I don't have any more to watch, and I get sad. Oh. But
1: That's when cool. it's
2: safe, go make more, so I have more to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll do.
2: So. Broken Hearts Gallery. I was reading an Instagram post you did, and you said that Natalie changed your life forever. And I was hoping you could elaborate that on that a little more because uh, she is lovely,
1: and I'm rooting for her. <laughs> Truly, I mean, <laughs> me too. I think she really, she really did. I think in a professional sense, giving me this opportunity to lead a romantic comedy, and she really gave me so much free reign and empowered me so much it was it was beautiful like I couldn't it it just couldn't have been a better experience um she just made me feel like I was Lucy and and my opinion or feelings were as valid as hers and it was just such a collaboration and I think that that was just the most wonderful experience that I've had and I kind of want to find that keep finding that in in projects, that kind of collaboration and, and trust in in a partnership. Um, and she's just like the coolest, wisest, chicest, like twenty five years old at heart, but is like a mother and <laughs> has like accomplished so much. I think she's just amazing, and I'm I am really in awe of her. Um, and she's become one of my closest friends, and she always houses me when i'm in la (laughs) and she's just kind of that person that that i go to now for advice or, or to lean on and i'm i'm so just grateful it just the yeah and and all the people i met on that i feel like i just came away with so many great friends and really important relationships
2: I really feel like you can feel that watching the movie which is a big part of the reason why I love it so much but speaking of that I have to ask about working with Philippa and Molly because that was hands down one of my favorite parts of that I literally could just watch the three of you like chit-chatting in the apartment for hours and hours and hours so when did that click for you was it similar to it
1: clicking on blockers also yes it was I think I had known about both of them like I had sort of Molly had actually tweeted at me (laughs) like a year before when she saw Blockers and I was such a fan of hers and I saw Hamilton, but it wasn't with Pippa, but I knew that she was this like Broadway extraordinaire and I was really, yeah, when I found out it was them, I was, I was really pumped. And then as soon as we met, it was just like, oh yeah. And I think it almost felt like, I think where Blockers maybe felt more like high school, um, I think this really felt like we're in our mid 20s and we're yeah. like, we're, <laughs> we're fr- like just meeting, um, meeting like minded people. Um, and they're just, they're just the best. They're like, you know, soul sisters.
2: I believe it. Does it take everything in you not to make her sing Hamilton songs? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I would always be like, Eliza around her. I think it was so annoying. But, um, <laughs> I definitely, we would just, we would always, I mean, on set we were obsessed with Sweet But Psycho, which ended up making it into the movie because Natalie was like, what are you singing? Let's make you sing that in karaoke. But it's just always funny because we would just be joke singing and she always just sounded incredible. I mean, Molly has an incredible voice too. Um, So I just always was like, you guys can... Take care of that because I'm just going to, going to
2: not. I'm a big fan of the karaoke scene, but also like, this is going to sound weird, but like the murder through line that runs throughout the movie with Molly's character. I feel like it's not easy to make something like that work and feel endearing, but she kind of does.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: totally. So moving into some upcoming projects now, I know you have Rumble coming up and that is your first time voicing an animated character in a feature film, at least. So would you say that your experience working on BoJack kind of gave you the prep you need to jump into that?
1: Yeah, I think so. And it's interesting because Will Arnett is in Rumble. Will and I had one recording session together, which was amazing because I'm a huge fan. I'm obsessed with the rest of development. So I was losing my mind. Um, and also he's just um, such a, a veteran now of, of voice acting. And I really, this was my kind of first time. And it really was such a learning experience because I think at first I was being very subtle and they kept having to be like, it's animation. You can like have fun. It doesn't, you don't have to like <laughs> feel like, you know, you don't feel it, but I think I was just sort of, treating it like normal on screen acting when you can really, there's a lot more kind of freedom that you can have with just voice. Um, So it was cool to, to see how he works and um, yeah, I'm excited for that one.
2: Was there anything in the, in the booth that required you to go real big and I'm not even just talking about a line of dialogue, but all of like, like, the other things that characters do that you don't think about a voice performer having to do as well. Like, what, I don't know, made you feel the silliest or made you go the biggest?
1: Oh, my God. I mean, the efforts. Like, I think those, like, you know, anything that's, like, you're on stable ground and being, like, whoa, whoa, like, that stuff always feels insane. Um, And because in the movie, you know, Will Arnett is this giant, monster and I'm this tiny girl (laughs) um so there was a lot of me being like picked up and thrown around and I think having to to give voice to those (laughs) those movements really felt insane in a good way
2: it looks delightful I can't wait to see that fandom is a very important thing in this industry and it's part of the reason why I love it so so much because we have such strong communities around the properties we love dearly of everything you've done like where do you feel that the most is it a series like miracle workers that continues on or is it something that really struck a special chord like blockers anything at all
1: that I felt the fandom yeah um yeah i don't know i think um i guess i guess miracle workers a little bit it it definitely feels like the people, I feel like it's sort of not, not that many people have seen it, but the people who have really love it. Um, and it's always really fun to, to meet those, to meet those people. But, um, yeah, I think, I think blockers and honestly, (laughs) the package on Netflix, I think things are just so accessible everywhere and it's such a cult comedy that, um, I think that that one has some, some fans that just, like, come out of the woodwork sometimes.
2: I've had conversations about that movie myself quite a bit over the last, what is it, like, two years?
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I feel like I'm in the ballpark there. But also, because not enough people have seen Miracle Workers, you could watch season one on HBO Max right now. Yes, or so yeah. watch it and then go buy season two because it's yes. worth it. But okay. now it's time for some random questions. Okay. What am I going to go with first? If you could only watch one movie over and over for the rest of your life, what would you pick and why? I
1: know what this is. This is pop star for me.
2: Oh, that Um, makes me so happy.
1: I have already watched this several times and I just don't get sick of it. It's so funny. The songs never stop being funny. I love when song is involved. (laughs) Um, It's just, I think it's just genius. And I, I watch it over and over again. It makes me, when I'm down, I watch that movie.
2: Do you sing? Could there be a movie musical in your future?
1: Yes, please. I want that. (laughs) I love the sound of that. With, like, the most heavy producing possible. (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) it would be great.
2: What is your favorite lockdown activity?
1: Favorite lockdown activity? Um, Hmm. I mean, God. So boring. But I think just like ordering good food and watching something.
2: <laughs> no, that makes sense. I have a feeling a lot of people out there can relate.
1: Yeah. If
2: you could only order in one thing for the rest of lockdown, what would you pick?
1: Mm, either like Thai food or Chipotle. Another thing I don't get to go. <laughs> something I could probably make at home, but. I never will. Do you cook? Um, A little bit. Not very well. I've kind of been in, like, strange situations this whole quarantine um, where I haven't had to necess- – like, yeah, I feel like I've been with my, my boyfriend and he he's a better cook than me, so um, I kind of just let him do it. But I have a few times. And many times it's been an actual disaster. I've something things <laughs> on fire.
2: I still feel like you're a big step ahead of me. I'm the master of the microwave and pretty much nothing else.
1: Oh, that makes you feel better. <laughs> do you have any pets? I, I do. I mean, not with me myself, but my family, we have a lot of pets. We have a dog. We have a cat. We have several bunnies. We Ooh. have a horse who is retired. His name is Mickey. Um, he was born in 1988. So he's He's an old man, but um, for horses, just to be clear, um, <laughs> don't want to make anyone feel bad for being <laughs> poor men. But um, yeah, those are those are our pets. We've just always been a, a zoo household.
2: I wouldn't want it any other way. I like. I don't think I could ever live a day of my life without pets in it. Do you have pets? Oh, yeah, Well, Dewey just ditched me. He's been in my lap the entire interview until literally like two minutes ago. But Deputy Dewey is looking on and he is approving of all of this. I have (laughs) one more question for you and it's like my more serious rapid fire question. What is the biggest fear you've had that you've managed to overcome?
1: (sighs) um, hmm. I don't think I've overcome any of my fears. Um, I'm. I've gotten better with one of them. I've always been very afraid of vomiting, of seeing it on screen, hearing it, myself doing it. I think blockers actually helped because it was sort of immersion therapy. That that throw up scene, um, because I think you know having to fake throwing up it kind of ruined the. The illusion a little for me and I was also on drugs in that scene so I was able to kind of like (laughs) disassociate but um I um I do think that that was sort of a um immersion therapy and now I'm better with it I'm still not great but better
2: sometimes we play a would you rather game and one of my go-to questions for that is would you rather have to fake sneeze or fake vomit in a scene
1: Oh my god! Fake sneeze. I love doing
2: a convincing fake sneeze. When I really thought about it, when I was writing the question, I'm like, right, like that's kind of hard."
1: It is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, should I do it?
2: Oh, I, I always leave the opportunity if someone wants to try. Do it. I mean, s- Oprah, Oprah's done it, so I feel like if Oprah, Oprah did it, you could do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Hey,
1: you, did, <laughs> yeah. You <miss laughs> <haven't>, did you <laughs> miss, <laughs> miss <her>? that? Did you miss that? Hey. Oh, that was good. That was really good. Ready?
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm very impressed. Seriously, if, this, if like that question wasn't the lead up, I would have believed you. Thank you. Job all done.
1: <laughs> wow. Just like, yeah, a little shot. That was a specific type. I think if you wanted to go big, I think that's, that's tough.
2: I would love to see a script where, like, the type of sneeze is specified. <laughs> really challenge everyone there. <laughs> Geraldine, I can't thank you enough for spending so much time with us today. I want to, like, name everything. Blockers, Hala, the Broken Hearts Gallery, Miracle Workers, Bad Education. Go. I think that those are the ones that we at least talked about. The Package on Netflix. Go watch it all. You guys will not be disappointed. Thank you again, and congratulations on everything. Thank you so much. This was so fun.
0: Napa Know How. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers. While supplies last. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico pit Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.